Hey, hey, my friend, and welcome to episode 119 here on the Yours Truly podcast. My name is Claire Tuning. I am not only your host, but also a non-diet registered dietitian, certified intuitive eating counselor, and lover of all things food puns and peanut butter and jelly. So if this is your first time here, I am so glad you're joining us, and that's just a little bit about me. But enough about me, more about this episode. I'm going to be talking with a very special guest, someone whose content I have admired on social media from afar for a really long time. Her name is Shira Rosenbluth, and I'll tell you a little bit more about her when I formally introduce her here at the end of the intro, but I figured as we are kind of in the midst in the middle of the holiday season as this episode is being released smack dab in the middle of December, I thought it would be cool to have a conversation with a fellow non-diet provider about all things holiday, navigating diet talk, and I won't give too much about the episode away quite yet, but get excited. I guess that's what I'll end this part of the conversation on. But before I dive into our Goal Slayer post of the week and kind of some random updates and just bookkeeping things, I have to say I'm recording the intro to this episode on a Friday. Actually, the I guess it'll be the Friday before this airs, and it's the day that Taylor Swift has released another secret album that no one knew about. I don't know how she does this. I don't know how someone with that level of fame and a following can keep something this big just under wraps and not have any leaks about it, at least not any leaks that I have seen, but I've been listening to that. I also tried Starbucks Irish Cream cold brew, I think is what it was called when I would, when I ordered it earlier this morning, but I didn't really know what to expect from that flavor. I like had nothing to compare it to. I don't think I had ever tried anything that flavor before. And it's very delightful. I was pleasantly surprised. It's like this perfect blend of sweetness and creaminess. And also the sweetness isn't so overpowering that it doesn't taste like coffee. So this is not an ad for Starbucks. I wish that I could sponsor with, or partner rather, with Starbucks. That would be cool. But I guess all this to say, if you're looking for a fun new beverage to try and you're still on the cold beverage train, I stay on that train pretty much all year long, not gonna lie. But 10 out of 10 would recommend the Irish cream cold brew. But anyways, enough about coffee. Now on to the feature segment that I like to call our Yours Truly Goal Slayer featured post of the week. So our post this week comes from a member of our community. I believe this individual has been a member of our community for a handful of months now. And this person writes, I have a quick question for you guys. I've been practicing intuitive eating since June. And I'm finally to the point where I've conquered all of my food fears, which is great. But I find myself eating when I'm not hungry and not paying attention to my hunger and fullness signals. I'm finding myself craving more fresh things, but I still reach for the things that I once previously restricted. I feel stuck and I'm not sure where to go from here. Any suggestions? 
So before I add my thoughts and two cents on this post, actually one of my previous clients, someone who graduated from my one-on-one -on -one coaching earlier this year, left a really thoughtful comment and response to this poster. So I figured I would read her response and then I'll tack on a couple of additional thoughts regarding her question here in a couple of moments. But my graduated client in response wrote, I believe your body is still craving those foods. I definitely think this is part of the journey and it was for me as well. There are times when I eat when I'm not hungry and that's okay. Just continue to eat those foods when you crave them. It seems like you are on the right track and I can definitely validate your feelings. But when you don't listen to your fullness cues, just reflect on why this may have happened and move on. It's all a learning process for sure and happy intuitive eating. So one thing here that my graduated client said, she said, it is okay to eat when you're not hungry at times. I think that is something that in our diet culture has such a negative stigma associated, right? I think we're taught to believe that we're quote unquote, only supposed to eat when it's out of a physiological need. And of course, we are supposed to eat and we have to eat for our physiological needs, aka to satisfy our hunger cues. But at the same time, we can't forget that food is more than just physical fuel for our bodies, right? Food is celebration, it's connection, it's memory, it's culture in many cases. And I mean, hey, even look at the time of year that we're in right now in the middle of the holiday season, it is holiday fun, it's memories, it's creating that time with family and friends and hopefully a way this year that is safe and dictated by your state guidelines. But I think my client here has a really great point when she says, at times, we are going to eat when we are not physiologically hungry. And I think we have to realize that that is also part of having a normal and a healthy relationship with food. So in addition to all the things that my graduated client brought up, I also wanted to briefly touch on the fact that healing or an intuitive eating journey, whatever you want to call it, the process isn't linear, right? I think a lot of the times when we think of healing from a restrictive relationship with food, we tend to focus on the physical aspect, right? Like kind of sounds like this poster says, I'm eating enough, I've conquered my food fears, right? So that makes me think, okay, you're eating, you're allowing all foods, you're giving your body enough energy, and all of those are wonderful and very necessary things. And at the same time, we have to remember that just because our physical needs are being met, that doesn't necessarily mean that we have healed mentally, right? Or healed from mental restriction. I think anyone who has been on this journey for any length of time will know that sometimes those previously restricted or once off-limit foods, sometimes it takes a pretty long time of keeping those foods around and giving ourselves unconditional permission to eat and enjoy them to not only heal the physical body, but also to heal from that mental restriction. So all this to say, if I'm gonna wrap this up in a package and tie it with a bow, I think it's a wonderful that this individual is conquering those food fears and they're eating adequately to support their body's physical needs. And at the same time, we have to keep offering ourselves 
access, at least to the extent that we're able, to these once off limits foods so that we can not only be fueled on a physical level, but also our mind and our brain continues to trust that these foods will still be there tomorrow and the next day. And, you know, we're not going on a new diet tomorrow or next week because as soon as we hop into, well, maybe I quote, shouldn't be eating so much of this, or maybe I should only eat X amount. That's kind of when we start to fall back down the diet spiral that can sometimes pose a challenge to this healing process, both mentally and physically. So I hope all of that made sense. I hopped on my <laughs> soapbox for a moment. I said I wanted to add a brief thought and hopefully I, I kept that brief enough, but I really want to send a thank you to this poster who asked a really great question and I, I hope if you are listening here to this episode and you're thinking, I want to be in a community where I can ask questions and receive community support from others on this journey with maybe a similar mindset towards food and bodies, then I would love to have you come and join us in our Go Slaying community. So this community is free. It is open for anyone to join. All that you have to do is submit a brief application in order to join us so that my team and I can get to know a little bit about you and so that you can learn the community guidelines that we abide by in our group to keep it a space that is safe for everyone who chooses to be there. So to find the link to that application, you can go to my website, clairetuning.com slash community. Again, that is clairetuning.com slash community. And I hope to see you there soon if you're not already hanging out with us. But without further ado, da, 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 with my fancy transition music, I am so excited to introduce to you today's guest and share with you a little bit about her if you're not already familiar before I turn the conversation over to her. So I'm going to read a little bit from her website so I make sure I get her credentials and her background and her training correct. But Shira Rosenbluth is a licensed clinical social worker with a private practice in Chelsea, New York City. She received her social work degree from NYU in 2012 and has been working in the eating disorder field in a variety of settings since. She specializes in the treatment of disordered eating, eating disorders, body image dissatisfaction using a weight-inclusive approach. Her work is guided by a health at every size philosophy, and she believes that all people deserve to feel safe in their bodies. In her work with clients, she supports them in moving towards a more freeing relationship with food and or their bodies in a collaborative, non-judgmental, and compassionate setting. And fun fact about Shira, which you'll also hear us discuss a little bit in the beginning of our interview, but she also has a passion for all things fashion. <laughs> no, I did not mean for that to rhyme, but I'm realizing that it did as it came out of my mouth, and that was kind of fun. But she also has a body positive style blog that is theshirarose.com, in which she is all about having fun. I'm going to quote her website here, but she says, it's all about having fun and fun and expressing your style regardless of budget or body size. It's about taking some risks and embracing all of the different parts of yourself. So 
if you can't tell from the way that I'm introducing Shira, not only is she a wealth of knowledge when it comes to our relationships with our bodies, our relationships with food, but she also has so much to offer along the lines of fashion and style. And anyone who follows her on social media knows this because you get a dose of, you know, lighthearted fashion stuff and, you know, this looks good with this. And you also get lots of conversations on her feed about really important matters in the health at every size and intuitive eating space. So in our conversation here today, Shira and I talk about a couple of things related to the holidays. We talk about fasting for religious reasons and when this is an okay thing to do, when it might not be helpful for an individual. We have a conversation about that and we also deep dive into how to navigate holiday talk, how to shut it down, and how to kind of work to set boundaries with those in your family or in your inner circles if that is something that needs to happen. So I hope you will enjoy this conversation with Shira and without further ado, here it is. Welcome to the Yours Truly podcast, Shira. How are you today? I'm good. Thanks so much for having me. Of course. I would love to go ahead and get started with some this or that questions. So if you're ready, we'll start with question one. Sound good? Let's do it. Okay. First question cats or dogs? Dogs. <laughs> Not even a question. <laughs> you didn't even hesitate. You didn't even take no. a breath. It's so funny for everyone listening, like literally right before we hit record, you were like, there might be a dog barking <laughs> in the background. So after you told me that I had a feeling your answer might be dogs, but figured I would ask anyways. <laughs> yeah, terrify me. Do, do they terrify you? No, I'm, I'm, I'm being facetious slightly a little bit. <laughs> That's Cats are a little scary. Are you on TikTok at all? Do you like that platform? I just started getting into it a little bit the last few weeks. Okay. Have you ever seen those videos? It's, I feel like it's a, an evergreen trend that will never go out of style, but the trend is you like show your cat peeking around a corner and there's some kind of caption that's like, the chances of your cat killing you is low, but never zero. <laughs> <laughs> that's why it's dogs for me. Exactly. That literally proves my point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they um they give me a little sneaky sometimes. Yes. I'll I'll give it to you there. Uh, second question. This is a beverage question. Do you prefer hot chocolate or eggnog? Hot chocolate. Me too. There's something about eggnog just has a weird taste to me. Not a fan. It's not my thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. me either. So team hot chocolate. Next one. Books or movies? Oh, that's hard. Uh, actually, it's not hard. I think books. I like books. Yeah. Are yeah. you one of those people where you'll like read a sequence of books or you'll read a book that's been made into a movie and then you'll leave the theater prior to COVID? Like, I'm so disappointed. The book was way better. Like, is that you? I mean, the book is always better, but I'll still like enjoy a movie. Yeah. I, I feel yeah. you there. Uh, next one, rain or snow? <laughs> um this is hard. The pressure, um, rain, because it's impossible to like the shoveling of your car. And, and I live in New York, so it's just, it's just brutal and it's cold and it's painful. So we'll go with rain. Yeah. Hopefully while I'm indoors in my bed. (laughs) When you can be cozy and you don't have to brave the outside. I feel like both of them are an inconvenience in their own ways. Like rain can just be 
kind of annoying snow, at least it's like fun and exciting and it can be beautiful, but you're so right if you have to shovel it or go out in it, like not only is it more dangerous, but it's also way harder to move out of your way. Yes. <laughs> the, one, the one fun thing about snow for my, like for photo shoots, for my blog, it's, it's mm. fun. It makes a good background. <laughs> this is true. Uh, not that you couldn't take a cool photo in the rain. I'm, I'm sure there are some for that, yeah. but I have to agree that the fun white backdrop is, is cool with the snow. Yeah. Okay. Final one. Very important. I must know, are you a pancake or a waffle person? Both. They both have their place. <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe waffle slightly more. This is a very, very serious, like heavy question. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess I totally agree with you. They both have their place, but the mm -hmm. difficulty of this game is like choosing the one. So you say waffles might be like a tick ahead of the pancakes. Maybe. Yeah. But I also love a fluffy pancake, you know? Oh. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> the, um, the texture of a waffle, in my opinion, is more fun than the texture of a pancake. But the thing that I don't like about waffles is it's really hard, in my opinion, to get an even spread of the toppings. Like, have you ever had a mm -hmm. moment where you try to spread butter on a waffle and like all the butter goes into one little waffle hole and the other ones are like empty? <laughs> Okay, that is fair. Although I guess if you use like a like a like Nutella or peanut butter as your spread on the bottom, which by the way I highly recommend, um, that one feels like it's easier to do. True, especially maybe too if you keep the butter outside of the fridge so it can be softer yes. when you're spreading it. That's yeah. the ticket. Yeah, it, it's it's worth it's worth the extra steps. <laughs> <laughs> Little did our listeners know they were going to get a lesson in pancake versus waffles, but alas, here we are. Um, so now that we've done a little this or that, we've kind of gotten to know you in a fun, lighthearted way. I would love for you to just take a couple of moments and share whatever you'd like to kind of along the lines of who you are, uh, how you've come to do what you do and why you do it. I think we might be hard pressed to find a listener of the show who is unfamiliar with your name, but if there's anyone out there, um, I'd love for you to just introduce yourself. Yeah. So I'm Shira and I am a therapist in New York. Um, I also have a fashion blog. Well, it started as a fashion blog and now I talk a lot more about eating disorder recovery and health at every size and body positivity. I think um, I grew up in a larger body for most of my life and I know what it's like to live in a world that is not very welcome to you, to put it nicely. Um, and just to be on the receiving end of a lot of weight stigma. And so I don't want anyone to ever experience that. And obviously I can't fix the world, but I feel like I have these platforms and I wanna do whatever I can to make this world safer. Um, so yeah, that's what I try to do. So I'm curious, would you say that most of the people who you see in your practice, are they eating disorder recovery? Do you have other specialties? Like kind of what is the, the majority of the work that you do with your clients? Yeah, like right now, primarily, primarily I'm seeing um, eating disorders and disordered eating. Mm -hmm. um, of course, when you see those kinds of stuff, so many other things come into play sure. as well. But I would say primarily I work with eating disorders and disordered eating right now. Okay. And yeah. do you, I, I love this kind of piece of the fashion tied into this. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, maybe I'm not uh, aware of enough people who kind of combine therapy and mental health with the, the fashion side of things, but which came first for you? I'm just kind of curious. Was it the passion yeah. for uh, working with eating disorders, disordered eating, and getting rid of weight stigma? Or was it the, 
I just love finding fun and, and comfortable and fashionable ways to dress. Yeah, so I think, so I graduated school um, 2012, and I think blogging was just like becoming a little bigger at that point. Um, and I did, I, I had like a six month gap between graduate school and my first job. I very quickly learned that I was going to have to have a fee for service <laughs> job for my first job, which I was fighting until I just get caved and gave in. Um, so I had this time and I decided to start my blog really just for like a little hobby. And then people started being interested in my little hobby and I was very surprised <laughs> and it just became bigger than I thought it would. Um, but I really just started as just it being like a fun fashion side, silly thing, which uh, maybe silly is the wrong word, but it kind of, you know, the therapy piece can be really heavy and intense. So it was just like a fun balance. But over time, the fashion piece, especially as my following grew, like it wasn't enough for me. And I felt like there was so much more I wanted to share and talk about. And so I always talked about, like everyone deserves to feel comfortable in their skin and that like I wanted my fashion to be inclusive or as inclusive as possible. But the last few years, I think I really started to talk more about um, just body positivity and health at every size and other things. So I think the fashion piece came first, um, but then over time, like I wanted more, so. And I have to know, living in New York, did that play a role at all in the love for fashion or did you go to New York? I, I don't think I asked you if you were from New York or if you just live there more currently, but how does the uh, that space plays into it? I don't know. I'm not a New Yorker, but when I think of New York, I think fashion. So. Yeah. I've lived here my entire life. So it's like, that's what I know. So it's so hard to like answer that question. But I really do think that a lot of why I became very interested in fashion is because I was a teenager in a larger body and I didn't have any access to like any clothes. So I think that, um, when I was in my eating disorder and I was in a smaller body, I think all of a sudden I had access to all of these clothes and I was so excited. Obviously, I that's not something that I, I think is worth it in any way, but I did have access to clothes that I never had access to. So I think I became a little fashion obsessed. And then when I started um, recovering and growing back into my larger body, which is just where my body naturally falls, um, we had a few more options than I had as a teenager, but I think I was just very into just wanting to show like just what, what there is, I think, especially for people in larger bodies. But um, I would say that my obsession with fashion just came because I didn't have access to anything as a kid. I had to dress like I was 70 and I was a teenager and I, it was not fun. Yeah, well, uh, thank you kind of so much for sharing the origin story of not only what it is that you do, but how the, the fashion piece plays a role. For as long as I've been seeing your content and, and following your messages, I've always wondered, how the two kind of came to be. And after hearing a little bit of your story, it makes sense why you're kind of combining and educating on both of those pieces. And speaking of your content and a lot of the stuff that you share, well, it's kind of a good segue to the, the rest of the conversation or some other topics that I wanted to get a little bit of your input on. Because as you and I are recording this, like middle November, this is probably gonna go out maybe sometime in December, but you know, we're recording this now. If it goes out, then it's still the midst of the holiday season, right? The holidays yes. are upon us, which I know is a, a lot of what is being talked about on social media now as the multiple holidays that are to come start to approach. So um, a, a couple questions that I have for you along these lines. First, something that I see happening a lot, a lot of my clients deal with, I'll get some questions about on social media is this idea of how do I navigate tricky conversations with friends, family members, 
I would say random people on the street, but maybe we're not all socializing with them since it's COVID. <laughs> but how do I navigate these conversations with them about food, body, my choices when I, you know, speaking from the perspective of my clients or someone listening, I am trying to get away from disordered eating patterns. I'm trying to distance myself from that. But the people who I am in conversation with are very much still trapped kind of in that diet culture lens. So I'm sure there are many, many ways to answer this, but I'd love to kind of get some of your thoughts and input on how people can approach those conversations in ways that are protective of their energy, if that makes sense. Yeah. It was actually such a good point that you put it that way because I was actually just thinking, how much energy do you have? Because that really answers like so much of that question because I feel like people learn about Hayes and then they're like, and everyone has to believe this and understand this because once you see it, you're like, how does everyone else not see it? And it's frustrating right. when the people that you love don't see that. And some, and so I think it's so important to consider the fact that you don't, and you can't, unfortunately, make everyone see what you see. And so if you spend your time trying to educate everyone on health at every size and, and anti-diet conversations, you are going to burn out. But then there are times where it's important to you, if maybe it's a certain family member or friend where it is important to have that conversation. So I think it's really important to consider how much energy you have in that moment to educate. And then, because sometimes it's, it's you know, and, and the answer is going to be different day to day. So some days are going to be like, I'm going to have this conversation. And some days are going to be like, I'm just going to change a conversation um, because that's all I can do in that moment. And neither is wrong. And both of them are important and useful ways to handle diet talk. But I think it really depends on the day. Yeah. I think that's such an important point to make that you can choose either option because you're so totally right. I've had multiple conversations with clients, like say, for example, this is their first holiday season heading into this time of year with this newer mindset, right? A lot of them have voiced to me, like part of me feels that I have to change everyone's mind or I have to stand up and challenge these conversations. But I think you, you couldn't hit the nail on the head more when you said that if we do that all the time, might lead to burnout, might not be super helpful, especially on those days where you might just not be feeling it for whatever reason. So I think it's fair to say on those days, 100% okay to bow out, change the conversation. I always say like the weather is always something that can be talked about. Like, you can't think of anything else, you can direct conversation there. But let's say just kind of for the sake of our example, Maybe someone is faced with one of these conversations, they check in with their energy and they decide, I'm feeling pretty okay today. I think I want to challenge this or I want to set a boundary here. I'm curious from your perspective, because I think this is maybe something that you might cover with your clients, maybe setting boundaries or how the phrasing of some of these things might sound like. So what are maybe a couple examples or maybe a couple tips you could offer for wanting to challenge or kind of push back on some maybe unhelpful comments? Yeah, I think um, it's when you can be honest, it's uh, when you can be authentic and honest in the conversation, it's always useful and important and it can be uncomfortable and feel very vulnerable. But, you know, when you say something like, you know, I'm really trying to work on my relationship with food and my body and these conversations are really hard for me and unhelpful. I think if, if you can do that, that's so important rather than being like, when you do blah, 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 it's it pisses because you know, then they automatically get on the defensive. When you turn it to you and yourself, I think the person's much more likely to hear you. Um, 
And with that being said, I think it's so important to remember that you can say all of the right things and say it so eloquently and perfectly. And sometimes people are so heavily invested in diet culture and you're essentially threatening their entire way that they've lived their lives. So if they get defensive and upset, it's not because you did anything wrong. It's because they're invest they need to believe in what they believe in. So I think it's really helpful to come up with phrases or to come up with ways that you're going to engage in this conversation while also recognizing that sometimes it might go well and sometimes it might not. And it doesn't mean that you did anything wrong. It just means that sometimes people can take it in and sometimes they can't. Yeah. Um, yeah. Totally. Something that I, I will say to my clients often is we have to remember that someone else's comments about a certain food or a certain way of eating oftentimes says way more about them than it does about you. Um, So I I really love that reminder of, you know, you can maybe brainstorm some ideas, some phrases, some things that you might say. I kind of call that like, what tools are you going to have in your tool belt, right? And at the same time, also kind of setting up that expectation that sometimes that might go really well, your point might be made, you might shut down the conversation, and other times it might not. But that doesn't mean that you've done anything wrong or that, you know, your point is invalid. I think kind of setting up that expectation is, is really important there. So before I move on to kind of our second topic of conversation, I wish I could find a better segue, but they're kind of related, kind of not related, but (laughs) let's go into it. (laughs) Anything else though you would kind of like to add along the lines of navigating diet talks, setting those boundaries, um, anything else to toss in before we have to chat to? I guess like the little things I would say is, you know, oh my God, I just lost my train of thought. And that happens to me literally all the time. It's like, what a great thought. (laughs) You know, I didn't have my, I didn't finish my coffee yet. And I think that's probably why. Um, yeah. So what we can do, we can always hit pause on the thought. And I don't know if you're anything like me, we're going to hop to the second uh, like topic of conversation and you're going to be like, oh my gosh, it's back. So if you need to, to stop me, please feel free to do so and we can circle back. Um, okay. But second one, this is along the lines of the holidays, but something that I have seen you cover in a lot of your Instagram stories and some of your posts is the idea of religious fasting while maybe one is in eating disorder recovery or recovery from chronic dieting. So what advice would you maybe have for those who are in recovery of some sort and they're maybe trying to decide should I engage in fasting for religious purposes? Should I not this year? Like, I'm kind of curious how you might walk someone through that type of conversation in a general sense. Yeah, I think that for anyone in eating disorder recovery or disordered eating recovery, um, fasting is generally not recommended. It's so important to protect your recovery at any cost that comes first. And in most religions, taking care of your health physically and mentally is essential to, to the religion. And so I think it's really important to consider what fasting can do, even if you're like, it's just one day or it's just depending on the religion, depending what the fasting rituals look like. There's so much opportunity for the eating disorder to take over, for it to not be about fasting anymore, but your eating disorder likes it a little too much, whatever it may be. It might lead to behaviors later. It just can oftentimes set up a cycle. And even if it doesn't, I always wonder like, is this worth just jeopardizing the recovery that you've worked so hard for? Um, 
And then I think there's so many other ways that you can connect spiritually and, and fast, quote unquote. It doesn't have to be with food. It can be with maybe social media. It could be with, um, I don't know, something that you like a, a routine that you normally have that you, you know, you might not do that day. Um, it doesn't have to be with food. So I think that's really, I think it's hard because I'm not a rabbi and I ultimately it's helpful if you're, if you, if for, for someone that's super religious, it's helpful for them to consult with a rabbi at the end of the day. But it has to be a rabbi that understands mental health because I think the answer is going to be completely different. And ultimately, as a therapist, like I can't help but saying, like, if you are in recovery of any sort with food, it just you're putting so much at risk. And is it really worth it? Yeah. And I'm really happy that you brought up from like the therapist perspective, because something that I was going to add in before you circle back was like, if you have that professional in your corner, that sounding board, like even taking some of these thoughts or this conversation to them, because odds are that person is going to know the ins and out of your recovery process, where you are. They might kind of be someone who can really ground you in saying, well, here are the possible benefits and here are the possible drawbacks. So I think it kind of goes without saying, but would you recommend maybe anyone who's listening, who's like, I've thought about that before. Or I wondered that like definitely taking this conversation to the professional of their choosing as well. Absolutely. And it's always helpful to have a conversation, explore it a little bit. Um, and sometimes it's helpful for your therapist to connect to the rabbi or whoever you might be talking to for them to get a, a better picture as well. You know, I, I love that perspective of like connecting with maybe someone else from your faith or from your spirituality. I think oftentimes, at least on the provider side, what we hear a lot is connecting with other providers or other professionals. I've never really heard anyone frame it in the way of maybe they could connect to your spiritual leader, your rabbi, as you were saying, your, I don't know, your pastor, depending on what your faith might be. So that's a really cool thought. I'm really happy that you brought that up. And something else too, that I wanted to circle back uh, another thought, another seed you planted in my mind that wasn't there before, the idea of me getting creative and finding other behaviors that you could potentially quote unquote fast from or take a break from if food or if you know abstaining from eating for whatever period of time isn't going to be helpful for you. So um, that's cool, the idea of social media or maybe something else. I'm curious in anyone who you've ever worked with or maybe who you've connected with, have you either offered that as an option? Have you ever had someone kind of take that route instead of the, the food fasting? Yeah, I actually did have a client um, this past Yom Kippur who did um, social media cleanse and actually what we did um, much to her dismay. No, but she, she was so on board and she was wonderful. But we talked about actually making that a day where she challenged her eating disorder and ate like all the foods that were scary to her because that is, that is like the work that she has to do. And that is so meaningful and really does connect her. Um, you know, the more connected you are with your recovery, the more connected you can be to your spirituality. So that was an interesting way that we used the day um, and got creative a little bit. Yeah. And talk about a beautiful way to like honor your body, right? Yes. Uh, like on that day, really challenging to nourish it adequately and maybe eat some of the foods that felt a, a little bit more scary or worrisome. So I love, and I loved watching your smile as you were describing that. I know our listeners can't see either of us right now, but as you were describing kind of that challenge or the way that you got creative with that client, there 
with such a big smile. So I'm guessing just kind of from reading your body language that that was a, a challenging experience, but hopefully a, a positive one for the both of you. Yeah. Yes. I mean, ultimately, like the eating disorder would have loved to use that day to fast and would have loved to use that day to restrict and to engage in all the behaviors that made her safe. And ultimately, um, just, yeah, being able to challenge eating disorder was the scary thing to do and was the hard thing to do in that moment. So it was really, it, it just, it made me smile because it's really cool to see my clients do brave things that are hard. Yeah. So. Do, do brave, hard things. I yes. Love it. And I think too, your, your answer there and kind of the little anecdote about the client really speaks to the need for individuality and finding what's going to be best for each person in honoring what is important to them and honoring what holidays are coming up. So I think that, you know, really speaks to everyone is unique and has their own unique needs. And of course, the the plug for connecting with your provider and, and having that sounding board again, I think is super important. So yes. here, this has been so fun and so great to connect with you so far. But before we kind of transition to where people can learn more from you, where they can work with you, I have to pause for a moment and ask if the the thought that poofed and disappeared a couple of moments ago, did it ever return or is it gone into the abyss for now? <laughs> so it came back for a second and then it left. <laughs> Don't you love that when it comes back? And you're no, like, I hate it. I'm going to remember when oh we're done God. and then it disappears. Well, well yeah. what we can do then if it uh, comes back post recording, you can just like shoot it to me in a message and I'll type it in the show notes. <laughs> Okay. Sounds good. <laughs> Here's the thought that she forgot. Here's the, the spark notes version of that. Yeah. Um, oh, I, this is a little thing, but I was going to say that it's really like be, if you have a therapist and you have a team, I think it's really helpful to actually role play, like role play the examples you be. So, I mean, because a lot of times, you know, your triggers, you know, if it's going to be your mom or if it's going to be a friend or if it's going to be your uncle. And so, and you know, the things they've said before in the past. And so preparing as much as you can is so useful and being able to role play examples is important. If you don't have a therapist, you can even do with a friend that's supportive. So it doesn't even have to be a therapist, but I think it's so helpful to have a plan when you can so that you're not coming in completely unprepared. Nobody should have to do that. And we know that the holidays are coming. So why not prepare as best as you can? Yeah, it kind of reminds me of uh, the analogy I used a couple of moments ago about the tools in the tool belt, like 100%. I mean, anyone who is listening to this episode, this is not going to be the first holiday season that they've gone through in their life, right? So yeah, looking into the history, what has been really hard for me in the past, what has been a really challenging conversation, or if I know Aunt Linda always talks about this specific thing, right? Some of our relatives can be very predictive. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I know they are for me and my family. So yeah, 100%. I, I couldn't agree more. So yeah, I really appreciate that idea of pulling on holidays past, using your provider, or yeah, even the idea of a supportive friend who understands mm -hmm. to come up with those sayings, come up with those comebacks so that when you are in that moment, you can handle it in a way that's going to be as supportive and protective of your energy as possible. So I'm glad the thought came back. <laughs> Thanks for adding it in. Um, but as I hinted at a couple seconds ago, I would love for you to just share A, where people can find you, where they can learn more from you, and also, of course, where they can work with you, what offerings you have right now. Just plug any and all the things. <laughs> 
So I, for all things fashion related and just social media related, you can find me on Instagram at the Shira Rose or my blog, theshirarose.com. And then for the therapy piece, I am licensed in New York right now. So you can see me if you are in New York and it's Shira Rose and Blues LCSW.com. Um, I run a couple of groups and mostly treating disorders and disordered eating, but also obviously anxiety, depression, life changes, other things that are going on. You have a lot of things. <laughs> a lot I have of all the things. <laughs> so all many things. things. All the things. But um, <laughs> would you mind sharing your Instagram handle one more time? Because uh, of my knowledge, that's like the one-stop shop you go and you can find links to just about everything. So one that's more time. true. Yeah. I spent a lot of time there. <laughs> the Shira Rose. <laughs> and two, for anyone who doesn't already follow you on social media, uh, they'll be able to ID your page. We were talking about this before we hit record, but like the beautiful, fun colors, it looks very bright and, and lighthearted, but definitely lots of conversations about really important topics there to find as well. Um, but sure, thank you so much again for being here for sharing a little bit of your time on this Thursday. I am so confident that this episode will be a really helpful kind of push into the holiday season for anyone who might be listening. But our friends here on the podcast, that is all we have for today's episode. So we will go ahead and sign off. Yours, Julie, Claire, and Shira. There you have it, my friend. That is our episode 119 here on the Yours Truly podcast. I am so grateful that you joined both Shira and I today, and I hope you will find more about her on social media, on her blog, on her website, if you are interested in learning more from her. If you forgot everything that she just mentioned as far as how you can find her, you can also find all of that information listed in the show notes. As always, if you enjoy what you are hearing here on the Yours Truly podcast, the best way to say thank you and to pay it forward and to help the show grow is to tap those five stars and leave a review if you have the time to spare sharing what you love about the show, what you're learning, and or any feedback you might have. I will be truly grateful if you take the time to do that. But as a little announcement, and I guess to set the expectation for next week, I am actually planning on taking next week off of the podcast, so there will not be an episode on Wednesday the 23rd. I hope whatever your Christmas holiday is, if you celebrate, I hope it is nice. I hope you are safe. I hope you get to connect with those you love, whether that's safely in a virtual setting or safely in an in-person setting, but I am wishing you a warm, happy, and healthy holiday season. And as always, thank you for being part of our community here on the show. But until the 30th, when the next episode of the podcast will air, please take care and we'll talk soon. See ya.